My name is Greg Rakestraw. This is the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan out of the phone lines as he is on his way to the airport or soon will be from Pacers Television in Valley Sports, Indiana. It is Jeremiah Johnson. Hello, JJ. How are you? Fantastic. Happy Friday. Should be a fun basketball weekend in these parts. No doubt about it. Um, what is the temperature when you land in Orlando today? Uh, having just come back from Orlando for a little <laughs> all-star break vacation, I know that about 3 o'clock in the afternoon it was usually near 80. So nothing like this, although when we landed I felt like I did bring some of the warmth with me because it's been uh, nothing to complain about for February in Indiana. So I'm going to guess around – 75 or 80 when we get there all right uh it could be for a variety of reasons cities that you think is cool a fun memory whatever the case may be you've got 29 other destinations you go to around the nba and after a couple of years of not doing that you're now back on the travel grind it, it, give me a city or two that is your favorite to visit for whatever reason yeah i'll say uh, denver is one of my favorites it's depending upon how cold it is. But downtown Denver is a place that I didn't really explore a lot until uh, being a part of the Pacers and traveling. And I, I just feel like there's a lot to do, a lot of cool um, places to eat and, and friends to see. And it's just a, it's a good arena as well to get around and work. And, and actually, I'll highlight Orlando. It's not one of the newer arenas, but it's maybe one of my favorite from a working environment. It's bright. Um, it just feels comfortable when I'm in in the building. And so, those are I, I never have an issue going to Orlando. We've stayed at some different places, and uh, we've seen some different parts of Orlando. Traffic can be a little bit of an issue. So Denver is definitely on the top of the list. Maybe Orlando, just because I'm going there, is top of mind. Maybe it's more in that 5 through 10 category. Um, another one that, that I'll throw out to you uh, would, would be Portland, depending upon the weather. I do want to go to Portland sometime in the summertime, but as long as it's not cold and rainy, I do enjoy a visit to Portland just because it's a little bit different than some of the other places. I have seen your Facebook post, and I can't remember exactly where this was, but there are some places you get a wonderful courtside seat to do your job, and there are some places where I think they literally put you underneath the bleachers on an end zone. Um, what are what are the spots that absolutely again we we don't dig ditches for a living. You and I get paid to go to ball games for a living, and we get paid handsomely. And and you are handsome, and that's a conversation for a different day. When it comes to the worst place for you to actually watch a game and do your job, what is it? Well, it is Atlanta, and I haven't yet been there this season. There's only one Pacers game in Atlanta as part of this current schedule, but it's it's in a tunnel and it's not with really a great view of the court. So sometimes I just walk around and find a seat in the first couple of rows that no one is sitting in, and I'll report from there. Charlotte's (laughs) another one where they've got the tunnel spot. So um, when there's a chair and it's in the tunnel and it's kind of away from the court, it's not that ideal. But coming to mind would be Charlotte and Atlanta right now. So those those southern locations aren't the best. Um, And San Antonio is also of that category, and we'll be heading there later this week they're 14 and 46 there's plenty of empty seats you can sit in the front row court side uh and, and be just fine uh when you go to san antonio all right let's talk about last night's game uh it stood out to me just just the the, the small portion i got to watch happened to be the third quarter on the replay and to hear chris basically say this is as good of basketball meaning both teams combined as we have seen all year your observation on just how good both teams were coming out of the all-star break last night yeah, you, you never really know what you're going to get in that first game after a break, and both teams had players that were busy 
All-Star weekend. So I personally thought at least the Celtics, maybe they would be a little sluggish having had to travel, having that early game, and you would expect maybe uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, maybe they went somewhere after Salt Lake City. So I, I thought they might be a little sluggish. Maybe they were thinking about that game where the Pacers beat them in Boston, and they were determined. And so when the Pacers were down 10 at halftime, it was an unusual feeling because you think, okay, 10-point halftime deficit, it must have been a bad first half. That was the team with the best record in the NBA playing at what I thought was a really high level. And for the Pacers to be only down 10 at halftime, I thought they were in a good spot. And then the way they started that third quarter, and really from an offensive perspective, it never really stopped. I would invite anyone that has the access, go back and watch that third quarter. It was times where you have to be encouraged because Boston, a team with championship aspirations, would go up nine, would go up ten, and you'd think, okay, well, it's not going to be the Pacers' night. And every single time, they battled back. And if they just had a bounce here here or there, go a different direction, they win that game in regulation. Going into overtime, Boston was just, you know, 1%, 2% better is how I described it on the postgame show. So it was a loss. The Pacers haven't had a lot of success in the calendar year of 2023, but all losses are not created equal, and I thought there were a lot of positives coming out of the game. Off the top of my head, I think your time being the sideline guy for the Pacers is almost simultaneous with Miles Turner being drafted by the team, so literally I think you've been on the broadcaster probably 95% of the games he's played in in the NBA. Was last night his single best game in a Pacers uniform? Wow, it was pretty good, and we noted uh, during the postgame show, just scanning the box score, you knew he didn't uh, you know, get a ton of shots, but to only miss two, I think he was 13 for 15 from the field. We'll have to do some research prior to tomorrow's pregame show. I can't imagine too many 40-point games with guys only shooting 15 right. shots and not, not having, you know, 20 made free throws. It was so efficient. Nothing was forced. And, and the, the amount of fun that he was having, especially in that third quarter, and I couldn't believe the Celtics, they like to switch a lot on defense. They were continuing – to leave him open and the only the only thing after the game I thought about was it's too bad he didn't maybe get a couple of extra looks late in regulation or in the overtime period because he was playing well and the best part of it is it's been consistent I think that was his fifth 30 point game of the season and he only had four in his entire uh, seven previous NBA seasons and so from start to finish he hasn't been forcing things but he's been consistent and I know you mentioned earlier in your show it's been a lightning rod at times in his career on John's show, especially sure. because he'll have these good games and then maybe you'll have a, you know, eight point, you know, three rebound kind of game. And then all the naysayers will say, well, yeah, they'll point to that one. It's been really consistent this season and it's been offense and defense. You knew what he would bring defensively at this point in his career, but to be that consistent offensively, it's been a really good sign. And I just appreciated everything that's happened this season where you didn't have any real definitive, you know, good feeling that he was going to be here for a long time. Even Miles wouldn't have thought that, and things changed a lot, and he's just played really well. Do you Have you sensed, I'm not saying difference in his game, but just kind of even, I mean, personality is not even the right word, but knowing that the contract situation is at least handled for the next couple of years, and those questions have gone away, and, and again, it looks like his tenure here is going to continue at least for the next year or two. Do you kind of get a sense of ease from him on that subject now? And I think it actually started before the contract was officially signed. He's been one of our better interviews on the team, but 
there have been times maybe you know two years ago, times where he was struggling trying to fit in in that pairing with Demonte Sabonis where in the best of moods. And I think really from training camp on, he's been in a really good mood. He's He's been a leader. He's been someone that has used his voice, not just led with his actions. And I think you have to have some of those guys. And then the closer it got to where maybe no one really knew he was for sure going to re-sign, but, but maybe he felt that way in that December run when the Pacers won 8 of 10. I just felt like that he was in a really good place. And, and then obviously when you sign that contract and you have that press conference and you have the entire organization there to, to show their appreciation, it has to make you feel good. And these guys are no different than anyone else. They want to be told you know, how much they mean. And I think that Miles means a lot to this team. Loyalty something that he has shown. How many players have been in the league from that draft class that are still with the team that drafted them? There are not too many. So I think he's in a really good spot mentally. I think he's in a good spot physically and also playing alongside Tyrese Halliburton has helped immensely. Again, Jeremiah Johnson, of course, Bally Sports, Indiana Pacers Television, our guest, Greg Rakestraw, with you on the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan, a couple quick things. We'll let him go and get to the airport knowing there is a flight to Orlando that will take place with the Pacers. Coming up this afternoon, of course, the game you'll hear right here tomorrow night on 93.5 and 107.5, the Fan as well. George Hill didn't play a single minute last night, and there are probably going to be you know several nights that could be like that for him. What do you see his role being on this team for the next 21 games? Well, you know George well. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I go back to you know hearing about him. I was in Terre Haute. We heard about him as a high school phenom. I think there was a game where Broad Ripple came over to Northview and he lit up uh, the Knights for 50-some points, maybe more than that. And there have been times early in his NBA career where you wondered if he would be the guy that would want to stick around and be a, a veteran leader while he was not playing. And he's changed a lot. I mean, he has not been shy about saying that he wants to be a part of this team. He wants to retire as a pacer, would love to have even that James Johnson role. I mean, I'm not sure there is a spot for in a, in a 15-man roster to have two of those guys sure. that are your veteran leaders. But we'll see what happens in the offseason. I, I took note his first day back with the Pacers was a Friday. He was not dressed. But yet he, you know, obviously went around, met all of his teammates. The game started, and he was as vocal during the timeouts and in the huddles as anyone on that team. And it's a vocal team. I mean, he pulled Benedict Matherin aside. We have a video clip of him during a timeout talking with him about a defensive scheme and adjustment where he, there was 30 seconds of George Hill and Benedict Matherin. And this is Benedict Matherin as a rookie, George Hill, um, I'm, I'm not even sure what year he's in. 15. They had, never even, <laughs> yeah, they had never even met. And so that shows a lot about how much he's grown and how that's the role he'll have for the rest of the season. There may be some games in, in late March or early April, maybe especially you would hope home games, where he's going to get another opportunity to play like he did in that first game um, in uniform. But other than that, I think he's perfectly fine with the role. If there are injuries, he'll be ready. Other than that, he'll continue to provide guidance and advice and to have George and, and James Johnson, Daniel Tice even, I'll say, as vets on this team that sometimes they'll play, maybe sometimes they won't, but they're always providing positive influence and perspective. I think it helps a young team. JJ, as always, buddy, appreciate your time. Good to catch up with you and uh, enjoy Central Florida for like the second time in a week. Safe travels. <laughs> Never a bad thing to get on a plane in February to go to Orlando. There you go, buddy. Take care. Again, that is Jeremiah Johnson, of course, Bally Sports Indiana and Pacers TV. 
But we have a member of the Indianapolis Colts on the hotline. Let's get to him now. Again, you can come meet him at the Kroger at 116th and Olio coming up next Saturday from 11 until 1. And uh, please support his book drive at all Indianapolis Kroger locations for the remainder of the month of March. It is Kylan Granson that joins us now. Kylan, this is Greg. How's your offseason going, buddy? Oh, it's fantastic. Always, oh, it's, a, it's always a nice time to get a nice, you know, breast right before the next season. I know that uh, the, the causes like this have been important to you even before you ever took, you know, to, to count your first pass with the Colts the previous season. The website for more information on this is kgskids.com. Where was it, you know, kind of ingrained in you at an early age to be more than just a football player and be an active member of whatever community you were going to be in? Oh, definitely started early uh, with my mom as an educator. You know, the community was definitely an important part of my life. And, um, you know, reading was what, you know, got me into college, got me into great schools and has led to the opportunity to play in the NFL. And, you know, it's made a lot of changes in my life. It made me the person I am today. And, you know, trying to help these kids out here up in uh, Indy, trying to get them as a, maybe not as obsessed with reading as I was, but, you know, just, <laughs> You know, it's still in that passion. Get them into it because it can lead to a lot of, a lot of roads. Whatever they're passionate in, they, it'll help them succeed. Again, the book drive kicks off next Saturday. KGskids.com. Ten thousand books is the goal, and you can donate over the course of four weeks at Indianapolis Kroger locations. We'll plug that a couple of more times before we go out the door. If you're obsessed with reading as a kid, this is the time of the year you don't have to read the playbook for the team. What are you reading now during your brief bit of downtime? Oh, well, I've got I got some fantasy books right now. I'm uh, I'm reading some Joe Abercrombie. Uh, I finished Red Rising. That was a great series. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 catching up. I had a lot on my wish list, and uh, slowly getting there. <laughs> so again, just to clarify, folks, when he says fantasy, not fantasy football, different type of fantasy uh, that, uh, <laughs> that that Kylan is referring to. Well, obviously, yeah. this this season did not go the way that you or anybody else in that locker room had intended. When you look back to 2022, whether you play one more year in the league or 10 more years in the league, what do you learn from that experience and, and, and try to apply going forward? Oh, man. Uh, there's definitely quite a few things to learn. Um, oh, if I had to take away one lesson, uh, definitely that, you know, it's all about the locker room. You got to keep it, keep everything in. Um, you know, don't, don't, don't listen to what all the outside people are saying. You know, everybody was talking mess about us for good, you know, two thirds of the season. You know, it, it makes it tough to go out there and perform. You know, but you know, as long as you keep it with your teammates and they keep it real, you keep it real. Um, it kind of helps you weather that storm. Individually, how, where do you feel you made the best progress as a player from year one to year two? Oh, man, I felt so much more comfortable out there. I felt like I was playing, like, twice as fast as I normally did. That was great. Um, Blocking, I felt like I was moving dudes off the line. (laughs) Um, I was definitely getting my my jack up, so I was uh, moving after the catch. Um, Yeah, I feel like I made some good overall steps in just about every area. So in the last two weeks, have you found yourself, like, going back and watching Philadelphia Eagles game tape from this year to – kind of have an idea what a Shane Steichen offense is going to look like for your football team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it looks great. It looks great. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Um, I, I, as a player, you have to give yourself some downtime. You have to give yourself some time away. You frankly, got to let your body heal 
a little bit. When the season ended on January the 8th, how long did you kind of let yourself completely get away from things? Uh, till about the end of January. Yeah. Yeah, I just got, got away from it, didn't look at anything. Um, obviously, you know, once Super Bowl roll around, you can't ignore it then. Um, so, obviously, I was watching, you know, playoff ball. But started working out, I want to say, second week of February, so two weeks ago. Yep. Started getting back into it. But, yeah, starting to get back in shape. <laughs> team, team activities start for you guys pretty much like late March, early April, correct? Correct. Yes, sir. What have you learned kind of obviously when you go from college to the pros, your draft workouts, then you're you know thrown into the mix in terms of minicamp. There is no break for you as a rookie, frankly. Between year one and year two, you get a little bit of a break. So, again, I'll ask you to compare last year to this. What did you learn about the process last offseason that you apply to this time around? Uh, last offseason, um, you definitely have a lot more time than, you know, rookie year. Um, and a lot of it is just, you know, making sure you're eating right. You know, don't get tempted by that, you know, 24-ounce <laughs> Not stay away from it, you know, <laughs> um, and just being smart with the way you're eating. And then really the training, you know, the training doesn't really change. Um, it's just making sure you keep up with your nutrition and following your plan. You, I asked you about, you know, the progress you made from year one to year two. I'm sure you're setting goals this offseason to make that same level of progress from year two to year three. What are you kind of focusing in on yourself saying, all right, this is where I want to continue to improve or be better in 2023? Man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make more plays with the ball in my hand. Um, you know, I'm usually making plays out there on third down, and I want to keep that up. I want to be, you know, like a go-to guy on those must-needed you know, situations. And, you know, I need to, I need to find the end zone. God dang it. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get in there. I need to get in there for sure. So that's, those are the two things on my, my goals for this year. I I guess I had not realized that you and I have the same career NFL touchdowns. I guarantee you'll, you'll pass me in the very near future uh, (laughs) on on that front. Um, uh, Off season wise, uh, I know you're going to be back here. If you're not here in Indianapolis already, obviously you're going to be here for, for the the, the book, you know, uh, donations that start next Saturday. How you like living in Indianapolis so far these last couple of years? Oh, I love it. My my mom's side of the family is all up here, so I get to see all my cousins, you know, my great aunts. I get to see all of them. Um, and, you know, I love Indy. I get to see all four seasons, you know. Right. Winter kind of stays around, but it hasn't been bad this year. So, um, no, I actually love it. There's, there's something to do. There's always somewhere to go. Um, yeah, I love it. Uh, are you? I, I asked you if you're studying uh, Philadelphia Eagles game tape. Are you letting yourself kind of peek into – the NFL draft. So many people are saying, hey, Colts are going quarterback at four or somewhere in that, you know, early range. Are you turning into like a mini Mel Kuyper trying to figure who the next quarterback of this team might be? <laughs> Man, trying to guess the draft, that's – I couldn't do it. I mean, you know, even when I was going through the draft myself, I had a million of teams lined up, and I, we really had no idea. And you, It's like one of those things. You can guess all you want, but you're never going to know until they start rolling out the picks. So – I mean, I could see us, you know, maybe going up front at four, but, you know, who knows? I'm, I don't get to, the, to make those calls, so I, I don't even really bother looking in. But I'm excited whatever happens. 
couple quick things we'll let you go and again we're going to plug this a couple more times uh, book drive coming up throughout the month of March partnering with all Indianapolis area Kroger locations you can go meet Kylan next Saturday at the one just near the reservoir and by Hamilton Southeastern High School 116th and Oleo Road again we'll plug that one more time kgskids.com has more information when you go there um, people didn't have a chance to see Drew Ogletree last year because he got hurt early in training camp you saw it in the workouts all summer long and early in camp what should fans expect from him you know knock on wood fingers crossed he has a healthy 2023 uh he's a big dude and he uh he's really athletic for his size uh great in the run game um great overall and he picked up you know the offense really quick so uh, once he gets a little experience out there i think he's gonna be ripping and rolling um sam ellinger uh, obviously got a limited amount of time to show his wares and I'm not going to have you kind of compare him to you know other potential rookie quarterbacks but I pointed this out earlier not only is he your Colts teammate he's your high school teammate and even at a powerhouse program that you went to that doesn't happen where guys got to be high school teammates and then pro teammates what was that experience like for the both of you last year Experience, you know, I had someone I already had like a built-in friend. Right. Uh, we'd roll in OTAs every morning early, um, so you know we got to develop our friendship. And, you know, it was just a lot of fun um, from that aspect. And you know, we weathered you know that season, the rookie season. It's like, dang, we got like eight more weeks. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it was an awesome experience. You know, just getting to know him better. Um, but yeah, it was a fun time. All right, so when Colts fans come see you next Saturday at Kroger, 116th and Oleo. What what sort of books, what do you want fans to bring to you next Saturday and throughout the month of March? I mean, bring whatever you can. As long as it's as long as it's not torn to shreds and you can read it, bring it on up. Well, we'll take it all. Kylan Buddy, thanks for your time. Stay healthy this offseason. Look forward to seeing you at the complex real soon. Thanks for the time today. Yes, sir. Thank you. You got it. Kylan Granson again entering his third year with the Indianapolis Colts. We do have our next guest, and in a losing effort for Detroit Mercy last night, he scored 27 points, which puts him into double digits away from catching Pete Maravich as the all-time leading scorer in Division I college basketball. He plays for his father, Mike, at Detroit Mercy. Last time I saw him in Indianapolis, he scored 42 points. It is Antoine Davis that joins us now. Antoine, this is Greg. Thank you so much for dialing us up. How you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course, buddy. I, I, I've seen you play for Detroit Mercy and called your games against IUPUI the last several years. So I know the amount of miles that you put in during the course of the game to run and free yourself off of screens, et cetera. How you feel in the afternoon after after a game last night? Um, I feel pretty good. Um, came in earlier and got some treatment and stuff. So just because, uh, you know, we had a quick turnaround. We play again tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And so, um, you know, uh, just getting the little things done just to make sure that I'm okay and ready to play uh, tomorrow. We'll talk about numbers up in the thousands in a moment. Uh, You wear number zero, and literally it is going to go in the rafters after your game tomorrow. What is it like to be a young man that's going to see his numbered retire while he is still an active player? Uh, Yeah, you know, that's special. That that doesn't happen all the time, you know. So, um uh, you know, normally when you get your jersey retired, it's like it takes like five, ten years, maybe. You know, 
just um, the amount of time you got to wait to do it and for me to get it done just after the game is like it's crazy it's going to be an emotional this roller coaster for me callahan hall is a cool old building i had the pleasure of i did one game there about about 10 or 12 years ago what has that what has that court been like to you in terms of a home for the last five years oh i love it i mean the stadium i mean the campus doesn't look too big but i mean you know the, the gym is just is a really big gym in the whole like you'd be surprised you come here and be like wow this is actually a, a really nice arena and you know um just enjoyed playing here for five years i'm so happy i never left and transferred and was able to end my career here and, and obviously you you've, you've been through these conversations before you probably knew what was coming next was was it ever seriously a thought to to kind of break away from dad and go play someplace larger was that really ever a, a thought in your mind um yeah it was it was a thought uh i really thought like you know playing at the next uh at a higher level with um just so I could show that I could do it would um would work out for me. But I mean, you know, I just felt like it it was unfinished business here and I just really didn't want to end my career anywhere else. I, when, I, I, you know, there's pictures of you as 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 a as a youngster, as a two year old. You know, your dad holding you at the Final Four, as I used playing yeah. in the national championship game. In your in your formative years, though, you kind of more remember him as the successful head coach at Texas Southern. If he had stayed there, would you have played for him at Texas Southern as well? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I love the swag. I love everything about HBCUs, and um, I really wanted like just seeing it while he was coaching there and me just watching it, just seeing the atmosphere and the love that they show and um, and everything. HBCUs are so are just really great. I love everything about them. And just I was was really excited to play for him there. But then, you know, he got the job uh, at Detroit Mercy. And, you know, they just – Detroit Mercy embraced me so much um, from the start. Again, Antoine Davis, he is now less than 100 points away from catching Pistol Pete Maravich as the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. He plays tomorrow against Wright State. How good is he? They're retir- uh, retiring his jersey at the end of the game. He joins us here on 93.5 and, and, and 107.5 The Fan. Again, I can think of you scoring 43 and 42 in two of the games I've called for you playing at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. When you're going through a game, do you have a tally as to how many points you've scored in your head? <laughs> no, um, I just, um, well, I just enjoyed this process and just enjoyed this game so much because you know this game can be taken away from you so fast, and you know I'm just living in the moment of it. I'm just having fun, just doing what I do best, and just winning games from it. At what point in time was the fact that you would be in the vicinity? of possibly catching an all-time great, at what point in time did you kind of realize that or was that brought to your attention? Um, you mean we have this big counter, like this big, big counter <laughs> of, um, the, the, of the number of how many points I have. So, I mean, I see it all the time. It's, it's talked about on Twitter. I get notifications all the time about it. So, you know, it's always in front of me. I try not to pay too much attention to it and just, you know, just enjoy hooping. As somebody that has grown up literally around the game, my guess is is that while while sadly Pete's been gone now for 35 years, I would assume that you've, like, you know, watched some of his old games, seen highlights, YouTube, social media, et cetera. Have you gone back and studied Pete at this point? Um, no, I haven't had the chance to. But um, I used to, in middle school, I used to watch his dribbling videos. Like, you know, he used to do a lot of um, – right. 
introductions and tutorials on what to do, like dribbling, like his stuff that he does dribbling-wise. And I used to watch it, and I used to go in my driveway and work on it and just do it and do it over and over and over again. And so it's crazy to think that 11, 12 years ago that I was doing that, and now I'm in the same conversation with him as far as scoring points. If you do that drill, you slam that thing as hard as you can down between your legs and it comes back out the other side, yeah. you got more confidence in your game than yeah. I do. I, I wouldn't uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be trying that um, um, anytime soon. Um, no, no, no. It, was a, it ain't nothing you want to keep trying to do too, especially if you mess up. So. All right, exactly. You know you've got two games left, possibly three. Do you potentially do anything different in how you normally play your game knowing that you're now within 97 points of Pistol Pete? Um, no, I don't change anything differently. I still just go out and have fun playing this game and just enjoy this. You know, I'm, um, I live in the moment of everything. I never take anything for granted. So, um, you know, I'm just, you know, just enjoying this process of playing this game and just, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, um, I feel like I'm the best scorer of my generation of basketball at the end of the day. So, you know, even if and then, you know, Pete was the best scorer of his generation. Obviously, it's, it's, it, this is not news to you. The two things people will bring up is Pete played three years, you played five, and I, I know from a math standpoint, games canceled for COVID injuries, et cetera. It's really kind of like more, more like four and a half for you. And the other thing yeah. would be you have three-point shots. Pete didn't. How, how do you kind of deal with that, handle that, compartmentalize that, if you will? Um, well, you know, I mean, people have a narrative about everything. You know, somebody's, you know, it's, it's always going to be something to do with, you know, with, with whatever. I mean, I'm sure people had a, had something to say, you know, when Braun broke the record or whatever, and then, you know, and everything. But, you know, I mean, you know, Pete, he, he did it in his generation, you know, with no three-point line. And then, you know, and with everything he did, I mean, it's just special to do. I mean, you know, I wouldn't – I will never take anything away from him from it because, you know, that's special. You know, and then, you know, he shoot. I don't. I don't shoot forty shots a game, you know. But you know, he shot. He got the luxury to shoot forty shots a game. Sure. When you're when you're shooting, and you're hitting shots and everything. I mean, who's going to say anything to you? I, if I was on his team, I certainly wouldn't say anything, especially <laughs> if he's making the shots, you know. So, um, you know, I mean, that's why I feel like I'm the best scorer of my generation. He's the best scorer of his generation of college basketball because it's just times are so much different. Well, I phrase it this way because I was fortunate to be on the call the day that you went to number two on the all-time list, that that if nothing else, you were just the best scorer in the last 45 years because the player that you passed in Williams from Portland State, his last year was 1978. Is, is tomorrow, and I know it's a tough question to ask, is tomorrow more about, hey, it's my final chance to play you know, kind of at home and senior day, et cetera. Or are you starting to also think about, hey, this is like the one of the last times I get to play for my dad. Is is that entered your thought process at all? You know, um, just just a little bit of both. You know, it's going to be sad to you know not play for my dad anymore. You know, just going through this five years with just with him. You know, it's going to be different. You know, um, I don't know how he's going to deal without me being there. <laughs> but you know, um, we're both going to be a little sad about it. But. You know, I mean, he's he's let me grow so much as a player and as a leader, and just um, he's he's gave me the ability just to lead these guys to um, to reach their best potential of everything, and just um, he gave me the keys to the car, and he's letting me drive it, and he's letting me, you know, lead these guys as much as possible. 
It's been one heck of a ride, and I've enjoyed the conversation. And I'm fortunate if I've, I've called a couple of your games, and you went north of 40 both times. So I know the Indiana Farmers Coliseum has been good to you. I hope for your yeah. sake you can win a couple of games and get back here uh, for the semifinals yeah. on uh, March 6th and 7th. Tomorrow's going to be a special day for you, buddy. Enjoy it. And thanks for spending some time with us today, Antoine. I greatly appreciate it. No, yeah, I appreciate you. Anything for you know, I, I, I was born and raised in, in Bloomington, Indiana, so you know I'm Anything for, you know, Indiana. I love Indiana so much. I miss it. I miss all my friends back home. So I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And tell my buddy PJ I said hello and thank you, okay? I sure will. I sure will. You got it. That's PJ Gerdowski, by the way, that is the uh, PR contact for Detroit Mercy. Help set that up. Antoine Davis joining us. And first time he and I have had a chance to have a conversation. I have called his games before, but we've never had a chat until just now. And again, I, I will acknowledge Pete played three years. This kid was a part of five seasons. Pete didn't have the three-point line. This kid does. Antoine pointed out a very good point. He's taken a lot less shots in his time than Pete has as well. Um, there, If he catches Pistol Pete, if he can score 98 points in two games, three games, how many ever left for Detroit Mercy is going to happen? Um there always has to be a difference in the errors and a comparison of the two. But the way he said it is very well. I think I'm the best scorer of my generation. Goodness, kid, the numbers would back that up. He has north of 3,500 career points. It's pretty doggone special. Now, see, I'm kind of like Pavlov's dog. I hear this song, and it gives me a reaction. It's like I need to be doing two hours of soccer play-by-play. It's go time when I hear this song. This is what was played about two minutes before a match starts at Carroll Stadium. First chance to experience that will be five weeks from tomorrow. Indy 11's home opener against the Las Vegas Lights is on April the 1st. Uh, The season starts in two weeks in St. Petersburg at Allang Stadium against the always good Tampa Bay Rowdies. The Indy 11 head to Chicago for a preseason friendly against the Chicago Fire, open their MLS season this weekend. That comes up tomorrow. And kind of join us the day before is the head coach of the Indy 11 in Mark Lowry. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hey, Greg, it's good to be back on with you, and we're feeling pretty good right now. Looking forward to the season starting. Well, obviously, we'll talk about your team in a matter of moments. And again, for the Indy 11 fans listening, some of this is going to be remedial because we're broadcasting to a larger audience uh, on the fans' midday show today. But let's talk about the biggest thing that has happened since you and I last spoke two weeks ago, and that is the reveal of, of the stadium. And clearly, you're focused on building the team and winning with the players you have. But to be working with an organization that has that in its future, what does that mean to you and your job? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, and it was one of the things that was kind of uh, spoke to me uh, when I when I took this job just over a year ago now. Um, this has obviously been in the works for a while. That's no secret. Um, I think the fans would have liked it sooner. Sure. Um, I, I always believed that the club was going to get this done. It's one of the reasons why I, I, I was happy to come here because I could see the future and with that stadium and not just the stadium, the whole development right around the stadium. It's um, it's going to improve downtown, it's improving the whole community and it's going to give a lot to, to, to the public, not just soccer, but various outlets. For those that, that don't follow the Indy 11, um, the guy that is the head coach at our level, USL Championship, uh, is largely the guy that is the one heading up free agent recruitment and, and, and player transactions and movement and things like that. Is this now to the point where that's a recruiting chip for you going forward? 
Yeah, 100%. Um, everybody's aware of it. It, it kind of spread like wildfire around the league and through social media, obviously, um, that this is what it's going to look like. And when you have a building like that, it's definitely easy to bring players in because people want to play in a stadium like that. All right, so let's now talk about your team. Three preseason matches in, two left to go. Um, last time out was against the Chicago Fire, two of MLS next. Your guys played awfully well. Uh, how are you feeling about what you've seen from your team in preseason so far? Yeah, really good. The, the, the last two, three weeks have been fantastic. Um, the development of the group, the progression they've shown uh, has been superb. We knew we were bringing in good players this year. Um, so, so the talent was not in question, but it's easier said than done, right? The game's not played on paper, right? You you have to come together. There has to be a way of doing things. The players have to buy in. They have to go into work. And there has to be that cohesiveness. And, and I think the last couple of weeks, we've really seen that. Um, and the guy's been fantastic, and it's reflected in the score lines. Even though it's preseason, we were not too worried about the score. It is nice to score goals. It's nice to win. Um, I've, ne- I've never hit that fact. Um, so yeah, but the way they played in those in those games has, has, has been really pleasing. All right, you've got two more preseason games left. Your lone road one is coming up tomorrow again against the Chicago Fire. Again, kind of a split squad. Obviously, their main guys playing for the MLS weekend. Uh, then you guys playing against uh, playing against kind of the reserves. I think that's the case. Educate me if I'm, in, if I'm incorrect about that. And then yeah. you, you you got forward Madison that will come to town next Friday who plays in League One. Again, I know your concern is more your team than the other guy you're playing but what do you want to see from your guys these next two weeks in terms of ramping up to get to the season opener yeah well interesting um the reason why we're playing chicago far tomorrow is because they have a bye they're the one team yeah, off for the, for the league for the league opening weekend huh so we're actually going up against you get the ones the first team squad yeah exactly so it, it suits them because they need a game um, and it gives us high quality opposition um, so it's it's an, it's an exciting game for us. I mean, we're going to be going up against their first team and, and there'll be some quality players in the field, so it's a really good test for us to see where we're at. I know we're excited to get up there, play away, play on grass, play outside, play against the MLS team. And all those things are exciting for us. And then the following week, Madison will provide a stern test. I mean, USL League One, but those USL League One teams, they're blue-collar, organized, they're physical, they're hard-working. So it's going to be a nice uh, a test for us leading into Tampa on March 11th. Uh, again, Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11, our guest, Greg Rakestraw, with you, Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and, and 107.5, the fan. Again, the Indy 11 audience, even the new players, they know the guys by heart. For this bigger audience we're broadcasting to today, if there is a new face that general sports fans around Indianapolis need to know about your team, that guy would be whom? It's a good question because we've brought in some pretty big names this year, guys that have you know, all league uh, the last few years and, and, and are well-known throughout, you know, the soccer landscape. But I understand uh, no one in Indianapolis follows the USL or Indy 11. So I think the one guy that's interested in them is Cam Lindley because he's a local kid. Sure. Born and raised in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, played for U.S. national teams growing up. Got drafted into MLS uh, by Orlando City. Played in MLS. So Ben, he's come back home this year. Um, he wants to raise his family back here in Indiana. Um, his, 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 his wife is, is pregnant and she's due very soon. Yes. Um, so it's, it's really <laughs> exciting to have him back. He's excited to be back. So I think, I think that can kind of connect with the, with the, the community, right? We, we want to bring guys back here that represent their hometown. And if they're good enough, we'll definitely try and do that. So have you like had the conversation with Cam? Hey, listen, buddy, the season opener's March 11th. If Olivia hasn't had the baby by a certain date, <laughs> you might want to set inducement for like March 6th or 7th at this yeah, point. Yeah, we, we joke about it. Like, let's, let's, let's get a move on, right? Um, he's actually... We're going up on the bus tomorrow, Chicago. He's going to drive himself in case he has to yep. come back because we are 
we're days away from from from, from his, his little girl being here. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's exciting for him. Um, we we are, we also prefer it to happen before the season starts. But hey, look, I tell the guys all the time: your your husband's first, yep. father's first, you're a person first. Enjoy those moments, right? The, the game's always here for you. So do what you need to do as a, as a father and a husband. You and I have had this conversation before. Again, you, you like, you love, frankly, your top, kind of top 15, top 16. I know you're still looking for kind of maybe one more piece or two with the season two weeks away. How is that process coming along? Yeah, it's moving. It's moving in the right direction. Um, because we're so happy with the 16, 17 that we have, we don't need to panic on these final two pieces, it's afforded us time to be patient, to get it right, to make sure we round out the roster in the right way. Um, but we are looking at two additional pieces, either end of the field, in the back line, and then and then in the attacking department. Um, and really, if I could explain, you know, who those would be, it would be just something different to what we currently have. I like to have a few different plans up my sleeve. Um, if something's not working, it's nice to mix it up and maybe throw a bigger guy on the field if you want to go a little bit air, more aerial. So yep. um, we're just looking for two pieces that can kind of throw a curveball in there, kind of mix it up for us when we need to, and a little bit different to what we currently have. But like I said, we're so happy with the group right now, we can afford to to, to, to take our time make sure we get it right. Obviously, your focus is on the Chicago Fire for tomorrow. Uh, then it's two weeks out, again, in terms of, of the match opener against Tampa Bay. Week off, then Detroit. So I'm hitting fast forward a little bit here. But for the most part, there'll be the dedicated fans that will make the trip to St. Pete. And there'll be a lot of fans from here that make the short drive to Hamtramck to watch you play in a great atmosphere at Keyworth up on March 25th. But for the most part, people that are listening, the first chance they would have to see your team in person would be in five weeks when you open on April the 1st. For, again, a sports fan who's not a soccer person, when they come watch your team on April the 1st, what do you want them to see and observe about your team? You know, I, I think first and foremost, I'd like them to feel the energy around the stadium, you know, just the general atmosphere uh, that we get at our games. If you can kind of sit yourself close to BYB, which is our supporters group, you know, get as close to them as possible, you, you'll really feel the energy and, 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 and the smoke and the excitement and the singing and, and, and that energy is pr- pretty, you know, uh, addictive. When, once you feel that, you kind of want to come back for more. And then on the field, a team that kind of reflects that, plays quality, uh, plays with energy. You know, we like to have the ball. We're a team this season that's going to dominate the ball. So hopefully we'll be the team that's attacking a lot and we can we can entertain you. But I think when you come to our game, particularly a home opener, if you come, that stadium's going to be full. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be energetic. And it's going to make you want to come back. Uh, that is always the case. My friend, always appreciate the time. Safe travels to Chicago. I'll see you next week out at Grand Park. Thanks, Greg. Take care. You got it. Again, Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11, kind enough to join us. And again, um, shame on me for not knowing Chicago Fire weren't playing. There's 29 teams in Major League Soccer this year with the addition of St. Louis. So one team gets the bye, and that team just happens to be the Indy 11 so they will get the primary players for the Chicago Fire. Uh, I'm sure they'll kind of sub out some sides throughout the course of the match. But uh, that just got a little more interesting from my perspective uh, tomorrow. Again, Indy 11 have one more preseason friendly. Maybe they let season ticket holders in. I'm not sure. Uh, I snuck out to the one. I called the game against Indiana Wesleyan, which was cool. We've never done a preseason stream before. Did that on Valentine's Day. I then went up and... Uh, did the uh, or just watch the first half of the Butler match on February the 10th 
And uh, I think time allows me to at least get a good first half viewing of the match against Ford Madison next Friday. Indy11.com, 317-685-1100.